0: ready for God's Word, because I am. So I have a Sam's Club membership, do you? I have a Audible membership too. Do you guys know what Audible is? Audible, if you don't know what Audible is, um, Pastor John not reads so good, right? And so I like Audible, so somebody else reads to me. Um, And so I like to listen to books that way. So I want to ask you, what is the difference between a church membership and a Sam's Club membership? Don't answer that. Uh, I have an audible subscription. What's different between church membership and just simply a subscription? Is the church a spiritual service provider? And is the church merely a club? And I hope you would say no to that. Uh, I'm going to argue that being a Christian means being joined to a church, not just church universal, although we're going to talk about that too. I'm going to argue that being a Christian means being joined to a body of believers. But before we do that, will you join with me in prayer? God, our Father in heaven, we gather today to hear your word, to bring you praise. You are the Alpha and the Omega. By you, all things came to be, and by you, all things are sustained. We praise you because you are worthy of praise. We long that you might receive glory through our lives. Father, as we explore church membership today, we confess that many churches and pastors have misused and abused this role. We confess that we, in our sinful nature, have our own struggles with membership in the local church. Father, we confess that we stumble and struggle to view and to practice this gift in a way that glorifies your name. Lord Jesus, help us reshape and renew our view of church membership. Help us to value it and to protect it. Help us to long for it as well as to use it to your glory. Father God, grow your church, not by mere numbers on a membership roll, but by zealous sons and daughters. Help us to fulfill our roles and responsibilities as members one to another. It's in your name that we ask this. Amen. So if you're a note taker, uh, the first uh, question that I have on there, the first thing for you to fill out, I, I think it's a blank on there, is, is church membership biblical? Uh, because maybe you're asking that, and I, th- I, think, I think that's a great way to start. I think that's where we should all start with all kinds of things. What does the Bible say about it, right? So, pastor, you're about to preach a sermon of why we should all be members of Allegheny Bible Church. I get that, but let me ask you this first. Is that even in the Bible? Well, I'm so thankful that You ask that because it just happens to be the first thing that I wanted to talk about. It is If a Christian is not an active member of a local body, I think that they're in real spiritual danger. And so I just want to put that out there. So is church membership biblical? And I'm going to argue yes. But I'm also going to say church membership is not actually a term that we find in the Bible. But it may surprise you, maybe not. I, you know what, I bet you this church, I bet you it doesn't surprise you but the word Trinity also isn't in the Bible, but yet we believe it. And yet I would argue wholeheartedly and unashamedly that the Bible teaches it. So I'm gonna do the same with church membership. If that's okay. We're going to do that fairly quickly. But is it biblical? Absolutely. While the term membership isn't in scripture, there are some that are. You're ready to fill out your blanks. Here's one that is adopted into a family. Galatians 4, and I don't have all these scriptures there, you can write them down, or you can just trust me, whichever way you want to do it, but Galatians 4, 4-6 through 6 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, I talked about this last week when we were announcing the blessing for the batters of, of uh, having their children now permanently in with their home with them. And I want to talk to you about the same thing. Adopted into a family means being a part of that family. Now, forever, right? When our kids are born, they get the last name Gruss, and then their Gruss is forever. Except for maybe Ellie. And she'll change her name and she'll be part of somebody else's family. But she's always my daughter, right? She's always my little girl. Another part of this is we are bought as a possession. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Jesus on the cross, his blood was the payment for our souls. He bought them back. That's what redeemed means. They were going to hell. He purchased them back from destruction to be in his kingdom. So we are bought as a, uh, as a possession. There's a, another one for you. is a branch on a vine. This one I'm sure you are all familiar with, but I'm going to read it anyway. John 15, 4 through 6. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. You know, uh, I was looking the other day where we live. I was on the phone, and so I was just walking around the property. That's, is anybody else here a phone pacer? you want a phone pacer? When you're on the phone with anybody, you just have to walk. You can't just sit still. I'm a phone pacer, and so I went, and I was walking around, and I saw these wild uh, grapes, and I almost ate some, but then I was like, I'm on the phone. I probably shouldn't be stuffing wild grapes into my mouth, and, and so, um, but you know how I knew it was a wild grape? I saw the fruit. Uh, you know how I knew that the fruit was growing? Because it was on the, it was on the vine, Right? Hopefully you're following this illustration that I just pulled out of nowhere that wasn't part of the sermon originally, but the branch on a vine produces fruit because it's part of the vine. If it's not part of the vine, then it's dead and then it's thrown away. Does that make sense? Now we're back on track. How about this? A part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves, or free and we are all made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. Again we talked about this when we were talking about church, right? And I used the I think I used the illustration that there's there's body parts of me that you don't see, but you know that if they're not functioning well, you'd be able to see it on the outside, right? Like if my liver isn't functioning well, or if my kidneys aren't functioning well, or if my spleen, whatever that does, you know, and all those kind of things. So there's body parts that we don't necessarily see, but we know that they function well and if they're not, well, that's a problem. Uh, scripture tells us, so are you, are you picking up the train? You're adopted into a family. You're bought as a possession. You're a branch and a vine. You're part of the body. Another one is you're a sheep in a fold or part of a flock. John 10, 14 through 15, I am the good shepherd, Jesus is saying. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And he says, you know, the good shepherd, they'll, he'll, he'll leave the 99 to go after the one and then bring it back to the fold. And so the last one that I want to talk about today, I'm sure there's probably others, but a bride to the groom. You know, I talked about this before. It's, it's true. Um, but, uh, I used it as an illustration, but if you openly disrespect my wife, I don't like you. I mean, if you think that you can have friendship with me, but enmity to my bride... That, that won't work. It just, it just won't work, right? And it would be the same, even if, even if you don't have a spouse. It would be the same for, uh, for, for many of us with, with a sibling. You, if you want to be my friend, but you treat my brother or my sister like garbage, well, then we can't be friends, really. Uh, if you want to be friends with me, but, but you treat my child wrongly, well, then we can't be friends. It's all a part of that family you can't have one without the other so now let's think of this in the context of church do you think it's possible to say to Jesus hey I love you but I really can't stand your wife how do you think Jesus would handle that not only that but it's far greater than just my relationship with my wife right I didn't die for her I didn't redeem her I didn't create her I'm not sustaining her, but Jesus is with us. And so how can we look our God in the face, so to speak, right, and say to him, I want you, but I don't want to have anything to do with the things that you want to have to do with. How is that relationship? So you ask me, is church membership biblical? And I say, you know what's not in the Bible? The word membership. Church membership is not in the Bible. But I hope that what I've showed you so far is the idea that we could be a lone ranger Christian, a Christian that's not attached to the rest of the body, is at very least just uneducated as to what Scripture teaches on this matter. A temple has bricks, a flock has sheep, a vine has branches, a body has members. Churches have an inside and an outside. We are expected to know who does and who does not belong. So then, I hope, maybe you're asking this question. Okay, so I'm convinced. I'm convinced that church membership is is biblical. How do we become members of the church? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you three points for that. You ready? Uh, The first... Two, you you probably will make sense to you. No questions asked. The third one, I'll I'll, I'll tease it out a little bit more. Okay? First one is simply this. Salvation. A church membership is a privilege bought for us with the blood of Christ. You cannot be a part of the body without belonging to it. You can't be a, a part of the vine without being a branch. You can't be connected to the groom without being the bride. Does that make sense? So there has to be a spiritual transaction that happens. Why? Because the church is not a club. I can't just buy a membership or buy a subscription. It doesn't work that way. You can't just be a member of church. Now I'm going to speak in two different ways, okay? And I'm going to use them interchangeably. And so hopefully you can follow. And if you can't, I'm going I'm to try to clarify that right now. And we're going to move on. There is church universal, which Algon Bible Church is a part of, just like uh, Little Flock. By the way, uh, if you don't know this about me, when we were down in Kentucky, I served in a church called Little Flock that was in Shepherdsville. That was great, right? And so Little Flock in Shepherdsville, that's part of Universal Church, right? The church is over in China or in Africa or in Brazil or in Australia or in Are there people in Antarctica? Uh, So like any church around the globe, right, that would be universal church. If they are a Christian saved by grace in Christ Jesus, they're part of universal church. And then there is local church, right? Algon Bible Church is one of those gemstones in the crown of the bride that belongs to the local church. So church membership is a privilege bought for us with the blood of Christ. You cannot be a part of the body without belonging to it. Acts 2, 47 says this. Praising God and having favor with all people. And Pastor John added to their number day by day, right? No. Right, praise the Lord, not. The Lord added their number day by day, those who are being saved. You have to be saved to be a part of the church. We are made members. We are born into membership. And so by the way, if you are one of those rebels that says, you know, I don't really want to be part of the church, guess what? Too bad. Because I just proved to you that you are born into church membership, like it or not, and you're stuck with us all, so nana nana, boo, boo. Okay? This condition can't be altered whether your name is in a local church membership or not. Second thing I think that brings us into membership, this one might be a little bit more surprising to you, it's baptism. So we just experienced that last week. Praise the Lord, right? We just experienced that. Uh, But I want to prove that out to you again in the book of Acts. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. What, What were they added to, pastor? I don't know, a membership role is what it sounds like super baptist isn't it you guys didn't know how baptist the bible actually was they were baptizing people and then adding them to a church roll, and then they went to have a potluck afterwards it doesn't get any more baptist than that that's right and that's why i went to a baptist seminary because i wanted to get it right no but baptism what did jesus say to his disciples go throughout all the nations right baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So once they believed, it is assumed that they would be baptized. So I just want to throw this out there again. Now for some of us, some of us are late bloomers. That's okay. If you're a believer and you haven't been baptized yet, no shame on my part, but I just want to ask this question to you. Why not? And I just want for you to think about that. Um, but it's assumed in Scripture that those who, when they receive salvation, they also receive baptism. It's the outward sign. We just talked about this last week. It's the outward sign of what has taken place internally, right? And so I think, uh, again, so if you wanted to become a member of this church and you filled out the form or, or whatever and we got to talking and stuff, and you said, hey, I've never been baptized, I would say, well, why not? Are you opposed to that? What's the reason for that? Because I think Scripture shows us that After they were baptized, then they were added to their number. It doesn't say they were added to the church membership and then they were put into the baptism after that. It's exactly the opposite. They were baptized and then that's how they knew that they were added to the number. How do you think they knew? Because they saw the 3,000 people get baptized and they said, hey, they're part of the church now because they just proved it to us. And so lastly, out of these Three is then this one confirmation now, uh, I grew up in a Lutheran church, and so what confirmation for me was it was a, it was a long set of classes, and then after the classes, then I could take communion all right now, in the Lutheran tradition, they baptized me as an infant um, my my parents, because they loved the Lord, they wanted to follow what the church did. So I'm very thankful for that. They took me up there as as a, as a little guy. They did the sprinkle on my head. I don't remember it. So just you know, just so you know, I'm going off of what I've know and what I've heard and what I've seen. And so so then and then later, when I was 10 or something, probably I maybe 12, I started into the confirmation process. So it was evening Sunday school classes, basically, that for however long that was, and we went over Luther's catechism, and then at the end of that, I was confirmed by the congregation. I was able to receive the Lord's Supper, right? Now, after I became a believer, because I don't, I don't think I was even a believer then. I think I had a lot of head knowledge, and, and that was good, because God was preparing me for something down the road. But once I became a Christian, shortly after that, I was baptized at Calvary Bible Church over in Kalamazoo, okay? Uh, but, so what do you mean by confirmation? I don't mean that you have to have a catechism class. What confirmation simply is in Scripture is, and again, this is biblical too, a mutual recognizing of adherence to a local church context. Again, I go back to some of those, right? So uh, we'll, we'll stay with Acts. That's, that's where a lot of this is. And all those who believed were together and they had all things in common. There was a unity there. There was a fellowship there. 1 Corinthians uh, 11, 18 through 19. For in the first place, when you came together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So he even says that when there's disunity and there's factions, we can tell who are genuine and who aren't, because, and and, and I'm going to imply this out of the text, but what he's saying is basically those who are factious and divisive are proving themselves not to be genuine because they're not seeking to have all things in common and have a spirit of peace. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, right? And so it doesn't mean that we have to agree on everything, but on the big sections of doctrine, we ought to agree. And so what this confirmation process is, is kind of what we do here. It's a little off, in my opinion, according to Scripture. Because, again, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where the church, where the body actually votes people in. That's a very American thing, just so you guys know. It's very American for us to want to vote about everything. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but I, like you... Always seek to go back to, but is that the most biblical thing, right? And, and I know that you do that too, and so uh, I, I don't really have any huge problem with this as, so, as far as we understand what it means, right? We are only confirming we are not, we are not, we are not uh, the gatekeepers if whether or not somebody is saved or not. That's not what this confirmation is. Only the Holy Spirit does that. It is the case that people can become members of Allegan Bible Church as unsaved people, because they trick us all. I'm sorry to put it that way, but they're just hypocritical tricksters, and they've pulled the wool over our eyes, and so they're a part of the membership because they they spin a good yarn and they're they're part of it, right? There are also brothers and sisters in Christ who, for whatever reason, maybe they just don't know this church exists in Allegan. Who are not members of all Bible Church I'm just kidding there's other good churches and for other good reasons they're members of those churches so nothing against that at all but what this confirmation is a public commitment to the community of Christ and a public commitment to one another if that's not there then how can we fulfill scriptures like Hebrews uh, which ah, I didn't put it up there. You can write this down or you can just believe me. Hebrews 13, 17. We did talk about this when we were talking about letters to leaders, okay? So you've heard it in the recent past. If we don't know who's in and who's out, how can we do things like in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, where it says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. Who in the world's soul am I supposed to be keeping watch over? How do I even know? Am I supposed to be keeping watch over your soul or not? Like, what? Are you supposed to be submitting to me as a leader or not? I mean, do you even know that? How do we keep one another accountable? Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So in ending this section, every single Christian upon receiving salvation also receives admittance into the body of Christ as members of his universal church. But those who hold that position should also desire to hold the position in a local church context. Because scripture says that we are a part of the body. And brother or sister in Christ, if that's you this morning, this is kind of a dark illustration, but just go with me. If I cut my finger off and laid it on the table, how well would it survive apart from me? I mean, how long would it last? How long would it be of much use? And I want you to see that the answer to that question is the instant that it is cut off from the rest of the body, it no longer functions the way it ought. And from that moment forward, it begins to decay. Now, in God's grace, the way that He interacts with us is far better than that illustration. That illustration is lacking. But what I want to share with you is that if that is you this morning, you are in danger because you're not connected to a body in the way that we were supposed to be connected. And I also want to tell you this, just just out of pure love and encouragement, if for whatever reason Allegan Bible Church is not the church that you can in good conscience become a member of, then find one that you can Please. I don't care about my numbers. I'm never going to have to answer for that. When I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, so how many, how many average attendants were you running? And, and by the way, that's going to determine the size of your crown. That's not going to be it. So I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not trying to grow our membership role. In fact, while I was part of the church in Kentucky, we had to go through our membership role. That, that's where this began for me, just by the way. We had to go through our membership role, and do you know what we found when we were going through our membership role? We found that there were actually people who had passed away that the church didn't know about that were still on the membership role. We found out that there were people who have moved away that were still on the church member, didn't even go in the same state anymore. Do you know how sad that is? Do you know the kind of shame that that ought to have brought to the leadership of that church? that they don't even know who it is that they're responsible for. They don't even know who it is that they're gonna to have to give an answer for their souls someday. And so brother or sister, if this is you, if you're already a part of universal church and you're not part of a local church, I would just encourage you to, to pray about that, to think about that. And if this message is at all moving to you, we can have more conversations about that, okay? But I also wanna move on. I wanna talk about what are the purposes of church membership. Because it's not like a membership to Sam's. It's not like an audible subscription, right? Christians need to be members of local church so that through a church's accountability and exhortation, we are protected from sin's devastating and hardening effects. The goal of church membership is that every single church member would help the whole church grow to maturity in Christ and to the glory of God. So I see three main purposes to what church membership ought to be. Are you ready? Here's the first discipleship. 1 Peter uh, 2, 2 through 3 says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Again in in 2 Peter. For this very reason make every effort to su- supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness steadfastness with godliness godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ And I think lastly, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You see, the purpose of the church is to build one another up. The purpose of the body is to fill in where we are lacking. Now, I know some of y'all probably because of where we live. Uh, uh, there's a lot of us here who come from German roots and Dutch roots, or maybe stubborn Irish roots, if you're anything like me, um, and all kinds of runs the gamut. But it doesn't even have to be those roots. It can just be our Americanism or just sometimes our own proclivities. We think we can do everything on our own. I'm, this is, maybe this is news for you, but the Bible tells us we can't. God in his sovereignty has provided for us a body a family a vine a flock that we can share the burdens with one another that when one member is honored we're all honored when one member is injured we are all injured now I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news but if you watch the news you know that this world is only continuing to get darker I don't have any kind of calendars. I'm not a prophet or the son of prophet that I know of one, but I can tell you that the end is drawing near, beloved. And there's going to be times where we're going to be, some of us in this room are going to be out of work because we've stood up for our convictions of Christ. And then what? How are you going to pay the bills then? How are you going to feed the family then? Because of one another. Praise the Lord we have some farmers that we can go work for, right? Praise the Lord we have people who have skilled work in carpentry or in mechanics that we can go to, right? Praise the Lord that we have people who can clean and who can cook and who can manage children and who can hunt and fish and who can camp and who can do all these kind of things because I, I don't mean to be bleak or dark or anything like that, but you cannot survive very long on your own. We were meant for this. And the same is true spiritually. Remember I talked about this last week, about iron sharpening iron. I think that was last week and how all men want to have that, but it's really not quite as glamorous as maybe we think because it's that grating on one another. Sisters in Christ, it's the same too. It happens here. Discipleship happens here. Building up one another happens here. It has to happen here. Because I don't know about you, I know it's been a little while since I've had a secular job. It's been a little while. Things might have changed. I've never had a Bible study. When I was out pushing patients in the hospital from location A to location B, none of us on break time stopped to have a Bible study with one another. Now, I did argue doctrine with a Jehovah's Witness and a Mormon while I was there, because I could, so that was fine. But there's no Bible study happening, right? Uh, it's, it's also been a while since you know I, I got fired from several jobs working in the food industry. And before I got fired, they never sat me down and wanted to have a Bible study. Isn't that weird? So I don't know about you, the only place that I've experienced worship and prayer and actual digging in with Scripture has been with other Christians when we meet together. And so the building up, the guarding of one another. How do we know what the Bible teaches unless we're constantly holding one another accountable to it? Unless we're constantly being Bereans with one another? It's because because of the lack of our scriptural education that churches are preaching a gospel other than the gospel of Christ or allowing things in the doors that should never have been in the doors to begin with. We are to be practicing unity in love with one another. We are to be learning both from positive and negative examples within our midst. So it's not about our cultural identity or our personal autonomy. Every member of the church is called to seek to overcome divisions and pursue unity in the church in order to reflect the church's union with Christ. Next one unfortunately is disciples or uh, discipline. You know it's it's I, I'm thankful to say that it's been a while since I had to spank my children. Uh, partially because they're all getting too big for that. Have any of you, have any of you experienced this, where uh, you as a child, or you as no, yeah, you as a child or you as a parent, you go to spank your child, and then they laugh at you. It hasn't happened to me. It's probably happened to my wife or at least maybe they thought about laughing at her or they probably thought about laughing but then thought better of it. It's probably what happened. The point of that stupid side rabbit trail is to say we discipline our children because we love them and we want for them to be corrected so that they know the right thing to do. And so discipline happens in the church for the same reason. Nobody likes discipline. Scripture talks about that, right? Nobody liked it when our dad had to get after us our mom had to get after us, but we know that later on it was for our good. The same is true in the church. Now, the passage that I'm going to go to is the one that you all think that I'm going to go to, so you're welcome. No curveballs in this area. But Matthew 18 says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. Ladies, same for you. Go and tell her her fault between her and you. If they listen to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. This means that to avoid gossip or all these other things, so that it can be proved out, so that two or three people can hear the matter and judge rightly. Because here's the other thing. You may perceive that somebody is sinning against you, and really, you're the one who's in sin because you're offended too easily. And so it may need a couple witnesses. And so we always think to ourselves, that the way this works is, oh, this person is absolutely right. They sinned against them, and they didn't change, so now they're going to another. No, 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 that could be it, but it also could be that maybe you're the one that's wrong, and so you need other people to help you understand what is right and what is wrong. But in the context of this, they are talking about that one person who's in repentant, and so you bring the other people to them to help have that clarity, right? And then it says, uh, if he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church, And if he refuses even to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And what does that mean? Does that mean that we uh, no longer talk to them anymore? No. What that means is is that they they need the gospel. They They need to repent. We treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector, meaning that we continue to entreat and beg for them to return to the truth of the gospel. I hope that it never happens that we ever have to bring anything before the entire church. But I want for you to know we will. And do you know why? Because it's here in the Bible. And do you know why else? Because remember that scripture that said before that they're going to have to give an account for your souls? That's me and Drew and any of the other elders and any of the other deacons. I'm going to have to give an account for if I followed God's word or not. And I love you, but I fear God more. So if it happens that we have to bring things before the whole church, we're going to do that. I pray that it's never the case. I also want to encourage you with this. Just because I have this title of pastor doesn't mean that I'm exempt. And so as we elect men to be elders, especially ones that aren't getting paid, lay elders are absolutely key to church health because somebody also needs to keep me and Pastor Drew in check. Now, because of time, uh, you can write this down. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, uh, it talks about sexual immorality in the church and how Paul hears that this is happening, and he's like, I'm not, like, why aren't you guys dealing with this, okay? And then in, uh, in uh, 11 through 13, he finishes that, and he says, basically, don't associate with this person, um, not, even, not even to eat with them. And so, how does this look? Well, what we need to understand from this is excommunication is actually a thing. Being, quote-unquote, kicked out of the church is actually a thing. What that would look like practically is that when we get together for the Lord's Supper, if the brother or sister was here and they were still in unrepentant sin, we would not serve them communion, all right? if they wanted to vote or something like that, they would not be able to, to vote because we're probably still going to keep voting because we're an American church and that's how we do things here. Uh, but it kind of depends on the context because also we're also going to be a biblical church and if it's supposed to be an elder deacon thing and not a congregational thing, we're I'm hoping that we can move closer to that. Um, but at the same time, trusting these leaders and not making it groaning to them, you, you know, so all that's there. And uh, don't ask me for uh, specifics in that right now because that's not what the sermon's about. But... Um, excommunication exists and how does this happen through willful sinning through sinful sinful through willful sinning that is habitual and unrepented of does that make sense okay good cuz this this is how i want to end cuz that was all kind of heavy and, and, and I get that, but it's necessary because we need to understand what is the purpose of church membership. So that, remember I said church membership is for three things. The first is for discipleship so we can all grow together in our maturity into Christ, all right? The second thing, discipline, because all of us, like it or not, are sinful and we need one another to gently give us guardrails to keep us in the flock, okay? Those are true, but this is the best one. Because both of those two are for this one. Ultimately, the, the purpose of church membership as a whole is for glory. Are you ready? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Why? So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. You see, church membership and the activity of regularly assembling with the church, with what it entails, offers us a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. When we, listen, when we, just the simple act of gathering together in this kind of context brings glory to God. That's worth it. And I know it brings glory to him because, like I said, I know church membership isn't in the scripture. But look at all the illustrations that I gave you. So when we gather corporately and become a part of the body as an active for lack of better terminology member of that body it brings glory to the head which is Christ and when the body functions well and is healthy it brings glory to the head which is Christ 2nd Corinthians tells us that one day with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is in the Spirit. Do you realize that is the ultimate purpose of the church, that we ourselves also, not that he would receive glory, which if that was it, that would be enough and more than enough, but also that we are being transformed to be more and more like him and then therefore more and more glorious in the day of our eventuality of meeting him face to face? That part of when, when, if you long to have him say, well done, good and faithful servant, part of that, part of that is being a part of a local body of believers and really doing what a local body of believers is to do with one another. We just sang a song. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. You know, this is the context that that happens in. When the visitor is invited in from the outside, can I brag on y'all just for a minute? I just want to, can I just brag on you guys just for a minute? And I want to brag on you guys because of what I see Christ doing in you. So don't get all, uh, you know, big headed about it. But I'm going to brag on you and I'm going to tell you what I see Christ in you. I hear from people and the board gets to hear this too. So if you don't believe me, ask one of those guys. When people want to become members here, And we ask them why. They tell us because this place feels like a family. They tell us because this place feels different. It's often the case. If you have become a member since I've been here, maybe you can attest to this. But I have heard them say, we've tried other churches. And when we come here, it just feels different And so I said to myself, I want a part of that. Honor and glory be to God for what he is doing in you so that others who are part of Church Universal would be so attracted to his bride. You know, in Scripture, uh, It says it's not good for man to be alone. Brother or sister, you are meant for fellowship. You're meant for relationship. You're meant for companionship. You're meant to be a part of a whole. You're meant to be a member of a body, a branch on a vine, a living stone in a temple, a people of God's own possession, and a sheep for his flock. So I just want to encourage you, if a Christian is not an active member of a local body of believers, they are in real spiritual danger. And not only that, but the body of believers is being neglected by them. And so I love you and I want to encourage you one last time that if you are not a member of Allegan Bible Church, if you've been attending for a while and you're not a member of Allegan Bible Church, I would just ask you to prayerfully consider becoming a member. And if the answer is no, I can't become a member of Allegan Bible Church, then I would also then ask you to prayerfully consider finding a good Bible preaching church that you can be a part of so that your souls might be fed and grown the way that God has designed it to be. And I won't be mad. In fact, I will rejoice that you are being obedient to God's word. Because I love you. And I want that for you. And I want you to want that for you. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we do thank you that you have made us in such a way to to have a desire for, a longing for, almost a requirement for companionship and fellowship. We thank you that because of that, you have designed it in such a way that you have made it almost a trinity in and of itself, that there would be us, you, and the body of believers. Help us all to cherish church membership, to think of it differently than what we have in the past, maybe, or to rejoice in being reminded of it again or to glory in you that we have thought about it this way for the first time. And we do pray that you would be honored and glorified by this, and that if there's anything of man that it would quickly uh, be driven away, but whatever is of you would take root and would grow because you are worthy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to um, take the Lord's Supper with you.